You are listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. This is episode number five, the positive side of negative patient reviews. Welcome surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Hello, surgeons. Ah, yes, the dreaded patient review. I could only imagine what's going through your mind after reading the title to this week's episode. I bet that you're not thinking about the glowing reviews, the one that say, they were the best doctor. They saved my life. I'm so lucky they were my doctor. And you know those reviews are there. Nope, those are not the ones that we remember. I'm guessing that you remember the one-star reviews, the ones that gave us a visceral bad reaction, the ones that we thought were profoundly unfair, ridiculous, unnecessary. They didn't understand us. It was an impossible situation. All the things that made us feel something. So why does this happen? There's a negative bias. We're programmed to see the threat. Some of you may not want to look at these reviews at all. We're afraid of what we will see. We don't trust our reactions to the words on the screen. But bad reviews are like death, taxes, and complications. It's going to happen to all of us. What is really the problem anyway? Well, gone are the paternalistic days where patients revere doctors. It can be stressful feeling like you have to defend yourself. Out comes our fear worry the patients are never going to come to us, everyone's going to know about this review, they're going to make assumptions about it and think it's true, our referring providers are going to start doubting us, the patients won't come, we'll have to defend ourselves. But all is not lost. I want to help you look at these patient reviews strategically. The very first thing to keep in mind is that we're really short on time and attention, so it makes sense to spend only the amount of time needed to deal with these reviews. Here are the tips I have for you to deal with these patient reviews. The very first thing is, what is the significance of these patient reviews? Specifically, what is the significance of a bad review? Like most things, the answer is, it depends. Let's consider all the factors that play into this. When you look at your patient reviews, how many reviews do you have altogether? If you have a few hundred reviews, you can imagine that one or two bad reviews would not likely to be affecting you. You may have a problem if your review is only one of a couple of reviews. It's simply a matter of math. A quick look under your name will show them a star rating, and a patient looking up your name may only note it a three-star rating and won't look at the fact that you only have maybe one or two reviews. So the average can hurt you. That's the significance of a bad review with numbers. The second, are bad reviews helpful? I know what you're thinking. What do you mean helpful? How could a bad review be helpful? Interestingly enough, having a bad review may help legitimize the good ones. This idea blew me away. I met with a marketing expert a while ago, and they told me that the more real your reviews look, the more believable they are. The second, or the third rather, what does the review say? This can actually help you as well, believe it or not. If the review is filled with spelling and grammatical errors, it will hold less weight with a more astute patient. And if it sends the message that you want, 
then a bad review can actually help you. For example, Dr. X won't refill my pay medicine, or Dr. X's office expected me to pay up front. These actually might be messages that you want to send. I'm not someone you could come to seek pay medicine. I'm not someone who is going to be able to do this for free. Uh, so these may actually help you a bit. Another aspect that may help you, and this is taking a careful look at the review and saying, is this review true? This could be a little bit hard uh, for us to wrap our head around. We want to immediately find a way to dismiss the bad review. It brings up fear in us and worry. And so the first thing we want to do is put it to rest. But a bad review may alert you to a problem that you need to fix. Your reviews about everyone else too. Your front desk, your nurses, the hospital, their outcome. As a resident, I remember looking at my reviews and thinking, well, this isn't really fair. You know, I'm not even really the attending. I can't, I can't control the fact that they have to wait a long time. I can't control that I'm everyone else around me. Um, but the other thing that I realized too, uh, this was a really profound thought that an ICU doctor shared with me. Um, since I trained in the military and we dealt with a lot of young men and women in truly traumatic situations where their life was never going to be the same. A lot of times it was especially the parents that were having a hard time realizing that their son or daughter was never going to be whole, a whole body, their life was different. And we sometimes took the brunt of this knowing that we were never going to be able to make or give them what they wanted, which was a whole child um, without any complications in their future. So that was a bit of a challenge in dealing with a system. And the more complex your system is, the more it may feel unfair that you're being held responsible for some of these things. What you can do, however, is to say, if this review says, I have to wait a long time for Dr. X, maybe we really should look and see if your wait times are really long. Is this something that you need to be paying attention to? Another aspect, if a review mentions a root staff member, it can be an opportunity to educate that staff member that staff member and retrain your staff. If there are complaints about payments, no-show fees, you may want to look at your policies and make sure your policies are clear to the patients, especially if you're getting a consistent message. We all know that with insurance it's complicated. We all know that things are due, but we make the assumption that patients know this as well. So the more clear our policies are, it helps us communicate a little bit better with the patient. And this this is probably the hardest part. Do bad reviews mean that I'm a bad doctor? This can be a little bit hard for us to look at a review, especially if we know who the patient is and we know the situation, and it may be an outcome that was not quite what we wanted. We have to accept the fact that complications are going to happen, that there's going to be an action that we do that causes some potential harm to patient, or at least not the outcome that we want. And these reviews can point to the guilt that we already feel. And this guilt, feeling bad about an event, can sometimes trigger shame in us. So not just, did I do something wrong, but I am wrong. I am bad. And so this is probably the biggest problem that we have with patient reviews. But we also assume that the patients understand the situation. We may feel it's unfair if a patient comes in with significant comorbidities or a very complicated situation. 
we make the assumption that they're going to understand all that's happening. There's a great story uh, that talks about two patients in the same room. They have different doctors. One patient has a completely uncomplicated surgery. The surgeon comes in, they say, everything is going great. We'll get ready for you to go home. The next patient in the room had a lot of complications. The doctor was in there often asking all the time, how are you doing? How's everything going? We may need to keep you longer. And the interesting aspect is, is that the patient who had the uncomplicated procedure looked at the situation and said, why are they getting so much attention? Why doesn't my doctor come in all the time and ask how I'm doing? Why did they just come in once and leave? So the patients may not understand the, the situation as we understand it. There's also actually a study on this. In 2018, JAMA Internal Medicine noted that higher patient reviews for providers that gave antibiotics uh, compared to those who did not for likely a viral diagnosis. And of course, antibiotics are not going to help a viral diagnosis, but there was something about being given something that gave the impression that something was done. A lot of times, patients may not appreciate the fact that us talking a lot and telling something but not walking out with something may mean that we're not giving something that they want. So attention seems to be more important than good care or good outcomes sometimes. Whether that's fair or not, it is what it is. We just have to recognize um, the effect that we have on people and based on their understanding of a situation, not necessarily our understanding of a situation. This may help you understand a little bit where some of these patient outcomes or patient reviews are coming from, but the question is, well, what do we do about it? You know, a lot of times we can't do anything about it, but in this particular case, there's actually several things that we can do to help us with these bad patient reviews. First, decide if it's worth your time. If you have a lot of reviews and there's only one or two, your average is good, training ourselves to not focus on the one aspect, a uh, very small number of negative reviews that are to be expected is the first strategy. And the second strategy is avoiding the negative bias. Look at the good reviews. Take the time to look at all the good reviews and see what we're doing right and see the impression that we're giving in patients and making sure to give it equal weight to what's actually being said. So if you have 98% positive reviews, ideally you should have a 98% positive reaction to these reviews. But when 98% of our attention is focused on the 2% of bad reviews, then this is a challenge. It's important to note that you won't get to these reviews if you don't trust yourself to read them. When we know we're gonna feel bad about a patient review, we know that it's gonna trigger guilt and even shame, of course we're not going to want to look at them. It can feel like emotional blackmail and online bullying because we are wrapping our idea of acceptance and acknowledgement in these reviews. Recognizing that we're seeking legitimacy from a source that we don't have control over is a start and it can help us build the resilience we need to do our job. We have to be able to deal with bad news, bad reviews and complications because they are not going anywhere. They are all statistical possibilities. These are often outside our control and the price of doing business. Words in a review are a neutral event until we add the emotional layers on top of it. And as we've 
already talked about, bad reviews are not necessarily all bad. If you really can't look at the reviews yourself, have a trusted partner, office manager, or a friend look over your reviews to make sure you're not missing something you really should address. And already mentioned, part of this is hearing the good news. Think of all the amazing things that we do. One strategy that I've talked about is on our rounds in the hospital is to really focus and pay attention to the things that patients say to us. They say remarkable things to us that we don't even hear because we've immediately dismissed it. Things like, I'm so glad you're my doctor. You're a miracle to me. You saved my life. And the thing is, that is often true. We do save lives, but we also don't realize putting ourselves in that patient's position how remarkable our attention is, paying attention to them, answering their questions, doing the things that make them feel cared for, appreciated, remembering that being a patient is very, very scary. They don't know what's coming. If we do our informed consent right, we've told them all the horrible things that could happen. And so recognizing the position that they are in and recognizing our role in helping them feel better and helping them feel more comfortable is extremely remarkable. Focus on some of these positive things that are true and and have that build up how we feel about ourselves, more so than the person we know we're never gonna make happy, the person that we know doesn't understand, or the person that's going to have a complication and is having a little bit of trouble with it. This patient review, like all things online, are immediate knee-jerk responses that are available to everyone. And we've had this before, our first emotional triggered reaction to something. These days, we can pick up our phone and we can vent. So a patient can pick up that phone and say, my doctor's terrible. I had a terrible outcome. I don't understand it. I'm mad at it and I'm mad at them. And this is my way of getting back at them. It's just understanding that's that's going to be the patient perspective. We can't do anything about it, except knowing that it could happen predicting it's possible, being there for them, helping them out, helping them understand the situation, um, but also really paying attention to some of the good things that are going on as well so we can also form a more well-balanced thought about ourselves. A more realistic strategy when it comes to dealing with bad patient reviews is flood them with the good reviews. If we're not willing to hear the good reviews, a lot of times we're not willing to ask for them either. We may hesitate to ask for reviews. I know that the first thing that we have to do is overcome our objections. We're not used to asking for things from folks. We're doctors, not politicians. To us, it may feel icky beneath us. It takes time. It feels hard. We may be telling ourselves, that's not what a doctor is supposed to do. That is what the administration does. That's what marketing does. That's what someone else does. We don't take responsibility for our role in helping us with our own reputation. It also feels like a conflict. We have power over these patients. We control personal information. We control their access to medication and treatment. And there could be abuse on both sides. We feel like maybe patients don't want to do it. Patients don't know what we do, but it's a fact of life to stay in business, to pay the people that work for us to pay for the hospitalization, the building, the equipment, um, and our time and our expenses, we have to ask for money. Money is simply an exchange of money 
for value given. You can see we have a lot of layers in asking for patient reviews. We don't like to ask. We, we feel like we shouldn't have to ask. It maybe we feel like it feels needy or just weird. We could debate about whether these are worth it or a, a worthy way of comparison for doctors or not. But the fact remains is that patients are using this. And so if you consider yourself a business, you need to ask for these good patient reviews. You need to have an accurate representation of who you are as a doctor so they can decide what they want to do or not do. And so embracing the idea that being a doctor and being a business person is not a conflict is going to help you ask for these good reviews. You want an accurate representation of who you are. And in that respect, making sure that you're out there with good information is going to make sure the patients find you. And that is good care. When you know that you're a good doctor, then finding ways to get patients to find you is the right strategy. All reviews have the potential to boost your SEO ratings. These are ways for patients to find you. Numbers help you too, so the more reviews there are, even these bad reviews can help boost your availability of patients being able to find you. So getting back to those good patient reviews, how do you get patients to give you reviews? And so what you want to do, you want to make it easy, printing out a card with it, finding ways to text them a link, um, putting it on your website, uh, using many different ways to make it easy for patients to write reviews is helpful. I believe some EMRs will also let you do a link to this as well. You can also get an iPad in your office to where your office staff can help you say, hey, everything seemed to go well. Do you want to write a review that will help other patients um, with Dr. X? Other aspect is to get this link for typically Google reviews, you have to be in control of your name as a business. If you're hospital employed or in a part of a big system, sometimes the hospital will take your name as a business. And I found this out when I left my job is that I had to ask them to turn over my name as a business to get reviews. Um, and so to get that link, you have to make sure that, that you have control over that. And if you don't, it's a matter of working with your marketing and your administration and say, you know, how can we together work to find a way to get me this link so I can make patient reviews easier for me? The next part is hard. We think we're not going to do this, but we do. I mean, we're human. What can you say? We want to make sure that our ability to seek reviews does not affect how we interact with patients. It could be tempting to play the reviews and prescribe more medicines or refund money. Just keep in mind, this can be very confusing to patients and a source of frustration for your staff. So for example, a patient complains about how much it costs. The tendency may, may be to feel like, I'll just refund the money, That's, that'll help. And so maybe they'll undo their patient review. That's a little bit harmful because you're sending the message that your reputation is for sale. You're sending a very confusing message to the staff, like, well, if someone's mad, do we just immediately give them back their money? So you want to make sure that you kind of plan ahead of time how you're going to react to these bad patient reviews, especially for money. Uh, you don't want to send that message that your reputation is for, for sale. Consistency is going to allow your staff to advocate your policies to the patient and help them feel supported. And we don't want to convey guilt at all. If someone complains to us and we throw stuff at them, then, you know, what kind of message are we sending that, oh, of course you're right. You know, really, we, we just want the message to go away. 
but we don't want them to send the message that that we're going to give them back their money. Um, this actually happened to me. I'm I'm fairly certain a patient that I had a you know fairly neutral reaction with problem that came in the hospital. Well, they complained to the hospital that I used. Um, rude words, like inappropriate words, that I was using some like derogatory terms towards them and 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 about breast, which was completely bizarre. And it's not at all how I remembered the situation. But you know what happened is is that uh, the suspicion was maybe that they were trying to get their money back and not have to pay for this. Um, you know, say, well, I'm going to say something so awful that the and I'm going to complain to the administration, and the administration is just going to give me my money back and not have to pay for this. So. People are going to have their own motivations, and you know what can you do? Strong source of frustration with patient reviews is this idea that we as physicians cannot respond to reviews, and the going thought is that any response to a review runs the risk of a HIPAA violation. You know we are in charge of the privacy for patients, so if we acknowledge that there are even a patient is thought to violate their rights, it may be worth responding to review not acknowledging that they're a patient, but with generic policies. Because again, if you feel like there's a consistent thing going on with a misunderstanding of your policies, you may want to just state your policy. Something like, if you're a patient in our office, please call the office to help resolve this issue. Or, our our office policies state this, or state that we cannot confirm you're a patient because of privacy, but we can respond with our policy, which is to collect money to pay our staff, and this amount is based on your insurance contract. You know, we know that insurance issues are the responsibility of the patient, but they don't feel that way. So the more we can communicate it with policies ahead of time, and even with these reviews, is reminding the patient, this is something that you have to take up with your insurance company. It's helpful. But again, you may find it best to not comment at all to avoid any issues. Tone is difficult to control, especially when we are responding to our flair of what is going on here. This is not okay. And I would especially be very conscious of how you feel when you go to respond to this review. Again, tone is difficult to control. Your response can hurt you more than the original comment. When you know that a neutral party is not going to necessarily have the same visceral response to this bad review, then you know that maybe you shouldn't be the one to respond. Maybe you should have someone neutral respond or, again, just not respond at all. And you've heard this statement before, or internet trolls. Feeding these internet trolls is rarely a beneficial strategy. It's rarely worth the time it takes to worry, worry about it or respond, and especially worry about it. Give it the amount of time that it takes to get a good assessment of the situation and move on. Another strategy is you can proactively call the patient. You or ideally like an office manager, they can call the patient and and I would encourage you in fact to say more like an office manager and especially if it appears to be a misunderstanding that you can fix. Show support to the patient, communicate your policy and ask them to review, remove the review might work more effectively than responding in writing. You can ask your patient, um, what if they come back? Can they talk about it? And if they do come back and you know about this patient review, it may be a good opportunity for a neutral party to, again, talk about this review. They may actually take it down. Once you embrace the idea that this is a relationship and there's a part of it that they don't understand, they may actually take it down. Now, 
what to do if this patient comes in and you don't want to see them. You don't have to see them, but just know that there are certain policies that you're responsible that once you have entered into this patient relationship, you have a 30-day response to them to offer them to find someone else. So be very careful how you um, interact with these folks. Okay, here's some tough love. Your reputation is your responsibility. You may think the administrator's job is to help you. You may have a marketing expert on standby, but you are the most invested in your reputation. You are the one with the most control and you are the one with the most interest in this being a positive and realistic assessment of who you are as a doctor. So the most important aspect is what is guaranteed to be successful. Taking care of your patient is guaranteed to be a possibility for success, but you have to make sure to translate that experience into a review. Taking care of your referral base is a guarantee to make sure you still get patients. Take this as an opportunity to assess yourself as a physician and how other people are seeing you is a great approach to have. Making sure your patients know you care about them, making sure your referral base knows you care about them, and of course, being a good surgeon or the most important aspect of this whole um, idea. So every now and then, a patient review is going to get you the point of feeling concerned. So when should you feel concerned? You want to always protect yourself. If something seems inappropriate, a little bit frightening, you want to make sure first that you're documenting all of your exchanges making sure that every phone call that comes in, word for word, quotes, is all documented so you are building your evidence base to protect yourself. If something seems a little strange, like I'm going to sue you or I'm going to harm you or something like that, the first thing you may want to consider, obviously the police, if it seems very threatening, this is, you know, you would much rather feel like you're overreacting than underreact. Underreacting can be dangerous you want to call your malpractice insurer, they may actually have people on standby who could help you to take you through some of these uh, uh, actions that may help you and uh, to protect yourself. If you have any weird vibe about a patient, even before the review, making sure you have a scribe or a medical assistant that can be witness to exchanges is very helpful. And especially, especially do not respond to someone if they're review is very, very off. If they seem like something here is not okay. But we also, we don't want to be punching bags for our patients. We may sometimes be the face of their complication, the face of their medical problems. And so we're an easy target in some respects. And some people actually really, that's just how that they were raised to interact, but we don't have to tolerate it. And certainly if you get this weird vibe of danger, call the police, call a lawyer, consider a dismissal letter. Again, making sure that you give them 30 days of having who they could refer to, making sure that you've evaluated whether you need to have a protection order, a cease and desist order from a lawyer. So these are things that you really hopefully would not have to be in in that position, but keeping in mind that we want to make sure that we are safe. When we have a review, it may be difficult for us to manage our thoughts about it. I recommend recommend finding a way of friends, trusted sources that we can sit down and vent a little bit. Venting is such an enormously helpful strategy when it comes to dealing with a trauma. 
And trauma could be anything that overloads our brain. It doesn't have to be some kind of big event. You know, looking at how someone feels about us can be a little bit traumatizing. We want to do the best for our patients. We want them to have the best outcome. And we also want them to know it. It's the idea of this job satisfaction, of mastery and recognition. We want to be masters of our craft. We want to be recognized as such as well. And when we don't have this expectation met, it can be a little traumatizing. So finding a trusted source that you can vent with, approach this trauma in a way that you can control and release it and heal a little bit at a time is the most important aspect. So I hope this was helpful to you to recognize that these things are going to happen to all of us. There are a few simple strategies that can still make us successful as surgeons. And so don't feel like a bad patient review is the end of the world. You can overcome this too. It's Amy Vertries. I've enjoyed talking with you today. If you want more information or if you want to be on the newsletter um, or on my email list, go to www.bosssurgery.com. That's also where you can find the How Surgeons Rise handout. This is based on the 12 habits that typically hold women back from work. But this is also an opportunity where 12 habits that we can look and see if we're doing these things at work and that's holding us back. And again, that's at www.bosssurgery.com. Have a good day.